Welcome back to the Make the Time podcast, episode number 11. I'm Carson. I'm Blake. And I'm Andy. And tonight we have a special guest with us. Brittany, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, everybody. And, oh, sorry, you were going to say something? No, go ahead. You got it. Oh, I was going to say, this is, uh, Brittany's making making history. We're bringing on the first guest we've ever had, so that's fun. It's very exciting. Um, exciting. And I guess like a brief bit of context. So the go reason we have Brittany with us, um, so she is a listener. So one of you guys, if you were listening, but um, also uh, she interacts a lot with our interaction posts on Instagram. Um, and she had a really good question posed uh, that I think all of us had the same response to even without even talking to each other. The question was, um, how to see God's perspective in times of struggle? Is that, does that sound right? Yes. Okay. Um, this is we answered it in the me and Blake podcast. Yeah. We hit on a little bit. Yeah. Then me and Blake both had the same idea. We like we need to make this. Flip. Yeah. And I came. I remember. I can't remember if I came to you or if I came to Blake. But I was like, we could make a, an episode, you know, over that in and of itself. And Definitely. we were all like, yeah, absolutely. And um, I think Blake, you were the one who approached Brittany, right? Yes, first, and then I told y'all, and then everybody kind of approached her, right? Huh? What? Well, okay. I pro- I approached her first on Instagram. Oh, yeah. And then yeah, I approached yeah. y'all about it, and I you you reached out to her too. Yeah. About the whole thing. Yeah. Well, I met Brittany at our Lambda Sig Worship Night. Is when yeah. We yeah. Met. So yes. if you also if you were there and you came to that, we appreciate it. Um, if you're a student at UNA, which I assume there's a lot of UNA students listening to this, if you came to that worship night, we hope you enjoyed it, got something out of it, and just got to spend some time fellowshipping with other college students. It was pretty awesome to see. And Blake also put that together. So Blake, shout out to you, man. You did great. Yeah. Also, if you didn't make it, we will have one like every semester. So I don't know what the dates are yet, but you'll hear the dates pretty soon. So keep it on you. Cool. Um, I was gonna ask Brittany something real quick. Okay. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your little podcast thing that you made? Oh yeah. Um, Because you know, it's pretty cool. Okay. So last week, I officially started what I'm calling Everyday Grace. And it is a blog and a podcast. So I only have two episodes out right now, and they're both really short. But one of them is an introduction episode about Everyday Grace and just my heart for it and what I um, expect from it and just giving it to the Lord. And then the second one is about the season that I'm going through, which is a season of preparation. And that's what prompted the question that I asked you all the other week. Very cool. And if um, you want to go to the description of this episode, I'll put those in there and those links in there. So if you want to find it, that'll be in the description as well. Yeah, So absolutely. Yeah. Well, Brittany, we appreciate you coming on, making the time to uh, be on. Ah. Ah. That was, believe it or have, not, that was... We see how many times we can work that in. <laughs> believe it or not, that was totally unintentional. Um, totally. Air quotes, totally. No, it was, <laughs> it was. I believe. But um, at any rate, uh, we're excited to explore the question um, and it will be, I guess, kind of topical or, I mean, it's question based. We're not going to be going over a specific scripture about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the reason for it is it's such a broad question. And I think that we can find the answer to it in multiple places of scripture. Uh, and so I'm really interested to see where you guys mm-hmm. went to, um, yep. to prep. But this, like you said, it will not be like last week us going through a specific chapter. And if you want to join back next week, we'll be going back through Jonah chapter two and continuing on the Jonah series as well. So you already get into it? Let's do it. All right, Brittany, if you wouldn't mind, go ahead and repeat your question so we can dive into this. Yeah. So my question was how to see God's perspective during a season of hurt. All right. Mm. So who wants to start us? Andy? Uh, sure. Um, 
So I think, needless to say, uh, that is what I would call a really theologically loaded question um, because there's a lot of... Um, to see God's perspective, it's already understood. Um, I think in that question, uh, and I'm not saying that you had this assumption in, in asking the question, but I think when a lot of people ask that question, there is hidden within it the assumption that we can see God's perspective. Um, and to a certain extent, I mean, yes, God does address that. Uh, but also, um, I mean, if you read Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, you know, it says, as the heavens are above the earth, my ways are above, you know, my thoughts are above your thought, thoughts. So I'm, I'm probably butchering this verse, but um, it all comes back to say that God exists on a totally different level that is so far beyond our ability to comprehend. And so um, I think a lot of what this is going to be about is not so much even answering this question specifically, but, you know, talking about, well, how does the Bible address this question and what question should we be asking instead? Um, and again, not to say that that was a bad question, cause I think it's an excellent question. And I think, um, I know for myself, I, I had a lot of kind of light bulb moments when I was kind of reading through, um, to address it. And I was in, I want to hear what you guys, uh, went to, I went to the book of Job. Mm -hmm. I went to Ecclesiastes. It's kind of what I hit on when we answered it the first time. I want to go more okay, into so today. We got yeah. two old Testament. What else we got? Uh, I went to Philippians. Yeah, Philippians four. So that's I mean, Bible's Bible. That's Words right. of the word. And I read from First Samuel. Cool. So we got we got three Old Testament references, mm -hmm. one New Testament, and then hopefully I know Blake. You'd mentioned you'd kind of pulled from your own personal experience. Um, what about you guys? Yeah, yeah, definitely. A little bit both. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Well, at any rate, uh, I think it's now kind of a free for all. So, who wants to go first? I thought you were going first. That's why we threw it to you. Oh, I guess I am. I would, now that you say it, I'll go first. Go for it. All right. So, uh, like I said, I went to the book of Job. Um, and in the book of Job, a lot of people kind of look at this as um, the question being asked in the book is, why do good things happen to bad people? Or other way around. Why do bad things happen to good people? Right? Um, and what I learned was that that's not the question that really is being asked or needs to be asked because if you go into it with with that question you will go through what 40 42 chapters of scripture um 42 chapters of the book of job all leaving that question to be unanswered because it's not about that question um really i think the question that we need to ask is well what does this time of trial reveal to me about god um because when you look at the book of Job, just a very brief synopsis, you have, uh, you got, it starts with a prologue and it ends with sort of an epilogue. And sandwiched in between those things is uh, what you could call the great debate. And it's Job interacting with uh, these people who are called the friends, three friends of his, um, none of whom, by the way, none of these guys are Israelites. Um, they're all from, I think it's taking place in the land of Uz. Um, it's just spelled U-Z, so I was like, that's kind of funny, <laughs> but um, yeah, Uz, and he's not described as an Israelite, but he is described as a righteous man, um, you know, one who fears God, one who uh, detests uh, sin, and so 
Um, he's a God-fearing man, not an Israelite, though. And it's evident to us that he's a, you know, generally a good person, right? But then, of course, we understand that, you know, no one is good except Christ, right? In in terms of what it takes to get to heaven. Mm-hmm. But at any rate, um, he's generally a righteous person. Uh, and then within the prologue, we find uh, it, it goes from Job and it transports us up into the heavenly realm. And we find God um, consulting with uh, what's called the sons of God. Um, and that term is referenced in several areas of scripture. Um, and it kind of, it comes to being the divine council which I thought was really interesting that God would have a divine counsel to do to, you know, essentially to run his creation. Um, and then out of that, uh, it says Satan comes forward. And here's another interesting point. Um, so Satan is not a name. It's a title. And in the Hebrew, it would be Hasatan or the Satan. And it just means adversary or it could mean accuser. And so Satan, or the Satan, comes forward and accuses that Job is not faithful out of, um, or he, he asks, well, why is Job faithful? And he states that Job is going to curse God to his face as soon as the first sign of trouble befalls him. And then God essentially entertains this um, this thought, and he permits Satan to then uh essentially wreak all this havoc on Job's life. And now we find that he's broken down. He's, you know, uh, all of his property is destroyed. His children are dead. His wife turns against him. His wife is even telling him, you know, stand up and curse God. And all the while he says, no, I'm not going to do that because it's sinful. And um, that is the picture that is painted. And then going into that comes the great debate. Three friends all of whom represent three different, um, I guess, cultural lines of thought. And at the end of it, they all come to the same conclusion that, well, God is just, so therefore God runs the world and his creation um, in justice. And so therefore, right, if, if sin incurs wrath and righteousness incurs reward, well, Job, you must have done something really bad to incur all of this wrath, Right. And that's, that's what they chalk it up to because they're trying to rectify the terrible things that are happening to Job. They're trying to rectify that with their own theology of who God is. And then what happens in Job 38 is God basically appears to them in a whirlwind and says, kind of mic drop moment. He's like, nope, that's not it. Um, and he really never directly answers that question. And Job demands answer um, an answer from God as to why these things are happening, right? What, what have I done to deserve all this? And again, God doesn't answer that question. Um, and so that leaves us with the question of, well, what should we be asking? What is the point in all that? Um, and I think at the end of the day, so the argument is that God is just, that he provides, and the implication of that argument would be that God runs the world according to justice. And the conclusion of that, the conclusion that Job reached was, well, uh, Job 
reach the argument that God is unjust in doing this to me. Therefore, the implication is that he doesn't run the world according to justice. And the conclusion would be that he is not just and uh, that he is uh, incompetent in running his creation. And then his friends all say, well, God is just. God runs the world according to justice. But then they also conclude that, well, you must have sinned so greatly to uh, have all these things happen. And then... God essentially trumps both those arguments, saying God is just, God runs the world according to justice, but the conclusion is that we see a far too limited context of our own suffering to accuse God of injustice. In other words, it's not us, it's not for us to have the answers. Um, And the thing I wrote down was, we need not answers, only the Lord. Uh, And that's something that you find in the very end of, of the book of Job, is Job is um, repentant of uh, of those things that um, he had accused. He rescinds those statements, um, and he essentially declares that I will find comfort in the Lord, in the Lord alone, not the Lord plus answers, not the Lord plus uh, you know security, but just the Lord. Um, and then at the very end of the book, we see that God restores Job um, to twice as much as what he had. Um, and so is that to say, well, if we just endure God's test and he'll reward us? No, that's not to say that at all. That's just God doing that out of the generosity of, of his heart in Job's case. Um, and I thought that was interesting. I mean, what do y'all, what do y'all think? I know I talked a while. No, you're good. I want to pull out a couple of things from Job yeah. that I think also apply to the question that I really, really like. And I'm really glad you went to the book of Job. I think it's really good. One of my favorite parts of the book of Job is in chapter one when everything is going wrong, mm-hmm. right? And he finds himself in this situation where, you know, he's he has a choice to make, how to go about his life when things are going wrong. In chapter 1, verse 20, it says, he fell to the ground and worshipped. And that's one of my favorite parts of the Bible, and I'm really glad you brought it up, because it's in Job. And this question you think of when things don't go your way, how do you react? What is the very first reaction I think Job is kind of setting a standard here. Mm-hmm. He falls to the ground and he worships. I just want to throw that in there. And I think also we see that happen in like the story of David when David's mm-hmm. child dies that he had out of wedlock. And I think David's David's context was that he knew he was he was in sin. Right? And he knew that he was reaping the the consequences of that sin. Um in Job's case though, it even I mean God literally declares to Satan, "Have you considered my servant Job, who is and then essentially describes him as righteous and upright." Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Job I think may have even had kind of a sense of, um, I don't know if he had a sense of entitlement in saying that, "Well, I've I've done nothing wrong, so why then is this happening to me?" Um, and I I. I don't think it was Job's stance that his relationship with God was founded on the fact that he was just obeying all the rules. Um, Cause then obviously I think that would be a kind of a pride uh, element, um, which then would not be righteous. But um, I think what I'm seeing here is that's something that when people ask the question, why do bad things happen to good people? That's exactly what they mean. Um, you know, the, the implication is the implication is the same as the friends 
you know, will God rewards righteousness and punishes uh, sin? And I've had questions asked to me as well, you know, like, do you think God punishes us by doing these things and those things? And I think the, the answer to this, to that in this scenario is no. Um, I do believe that God chastises his own. I do believe that he holds us accountable and disciplines us. But I don't believe that um, he looms punishment and dread over us uh, due to our sin. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it also just comes down to, as humans, we try to understand everything. And yes. you have to get to a point where you're like, I don't understand, but that's okay. I'm going to study, I'm going to read, I'm going to try everything I can to understand. But at the end of the day, it comes down to your faith and your trusting. Yeah. One of my favorite parts, besides chapter one in the book of Job, is when it's in um, chapter um, 38 of Job. And it's the Lord speaking to Job, and it says, Have you traveled to the sources of the sea or walked in the depths of the ocean? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Have you seen the gates of darkness? Have you comprehended the extent of the earth? Where he's just kind of like, you know, kind of explaining to Job, like the, his significance that everything he, everything is God's providence. You know, you haven't done these things. You haven't seen these things. You're not called to know everything. Mm-hmm. It's kind of where I'd take that point. I think my, f- another really cool moment in that interaction is uh, when God, he's asking him all these questions. He's taking him on this like kind of virtual tour of the cosmos and all of his creation. And then what is the answer that Job is left with? Silence. Job admits that he has no answer. Um, and I think uh, the application that I kind of pulled from this, um, there's two positions that we can find ourselves in, I think. Number one, in the instance of Job, you know, I think we all experience calamity and we all experience bad things. Um, so I think in times of struggle, it's important to know these things. Number one, um, it's okay to be honest with God. I think that's one thing that we got to just go ahead and address. Um, you know, honesty with God is encouraged in the Bible. Um, and I think what we find in the book of Job is Job just being outright honest. Um, it's okay to be honest with yourself. It's okay to be honest with those around you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't think it is sinful to genuinely express what is going on inside. Um, he already knows. Exactly. But I think something changes in you when you express it and you say it. You can, When you recognize it and you're taking ownership of it. Mm-hmm. it it's different than just being like, oh, God, God already knows. I don't need to say it. Yeah. I don't need to admit it to myself. Admit it to yourself. Pray on it. Speak on it and be honest because it changes you. And then the second point would be we can never understand the purposes and thoughts of God for he is far above our ability to understand. Um, and again, that we go back to Isaiah 55, 8 and numerous other passages, the one in Genesis 38 included, Genesis, uh, Job 38. <laughs> um, and then the other position would be that I, I thought was kind of interesting is the three friends, because these are people too. And I think, you know, they're being used to represent a broader culture. Um, and it's clear to us in the book of Job that historicity is not emphasized because they don't give us a specific time period. Um, they don't give us, uh, uh, you know, the author doesn't even announce themselves. It's an anonymous author. And so it's clear to us that those details are left out intentionally so that we can focus on, you know, the, the beef of the point, right? 
And I think the three friends, there's, uh, if we can find ourselves in their shoes as well, because how many times do we go to try and comfort those around us who are going through terrible things? And, um, we try and try and try to give them clarity, to give them knowledge that we think we have, but at the end of the day, um, it's completely and totally wrong. Um, and so the point that I wrote down was don't be so arrogant as to assume that you have understood the mysteries of God in full. And then the reason for that is because the projection of your futile attempts to justify your own understanding of God upon others who are in times of struggle, it can end up doing more harm than good. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, That's good. And so all that to say, the third point is humble yourself. How is it that Job responds and how is it that the three friends respond um, at the end of the entire book when when God gives them instructions on how essentially how to repent? They all submit in humility, right? And at the end of the day, I think um, we have to humble ourselves in knowing it's not for us to know why these things happen to us. You know, it is not for us to know why God took the person that we love the most from us. It is not for us to know why God struck us with cancer or struck us with this disease um, or allowed uh, this awful thing to happen to us and dominate our life, right? It's not for us to know that, but simply to know that God is God, He is moving, and that we need to trust in Him, and that through all those things, right, um, how, however painful uh, they may be, through it we need to depend on God. And we need to trust that he is using it to build our trust in him. Definitely. And just full disclosure, like this is not an easy place to get to. No. Like we say that, but I mean, it's a struggle. It's hard. We struggle ourselves with exactly. it. Yeah. Um, it just, it's going to take a lot of just honest time with the Lord. It really does. And I think all of us here, you know, been through something where we can say, yeah, I mean, it's easy to say that and know where a place I got to get to, but it's hard to get to that place. Mm-hmm. People spend their whole lives oh, yeah. <laughs> trying to reach this place, and, and some never do. It's not easy. But um, but at any rate, I, I thought uh, okay. as soon as you I saw that question, I was like, Book of Job, Book of Job. I've never read it all the way through, but I'm so glad that I did now because it, I mean, it, it illuminated a lot to me. But um, anyways, uh, unless there's anything more about the Book of Job we want to talk was, about, then. I had something about the Book of Job. The Book of Job, all right, what do um, you got? So I actually studied Job in high school one time because I was trying to find a, like a topic about like patience like that. Sorry if it sounds like I'm losing my voice. Kind of am. It's okay though. Uh, but I love verse uh, 15 because it kind of it 13, 15 of Job um, because it really which chapter 13. Oh, Job I thought 13. you said I thought you said verse 13. I was Shame. like, there's <laughs> no Shame. no. There's like 42 verse 13. <laughs> Um, okay, chapter 13 of Job. Chapter 13, verse 15, if you want to find it. Uh, it says, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Even so, I will defend my own ways before him. So it kind of just shows that, you know, even in the midst of our own troubles and everything we're going through, like, to still have patience and still have uh, abundant trust in him. To know that, you know, he, this is not something he's going to lead us into, uh a season of doubt, um, even though that's maybe something we're leading ourselves into, but ultimately he's gonna, you know, show us the good from the bad, like bring us out of that kind of a season of 
God, why are you doing this? I know, like, that's a question that usually we ask, like, when we're going through a season of hurt is, like, God, why are you doing this to me? Or something like that. I mean, that's doubt right there. But this right here shows you, I mean, Job went, lost his property, lost his sons, he lost everything, lost his children. But, like, even through that all, he still, like we said, praises him, but he has so much patience for him, and he has so much trust for him, and so much hope for him. So it's pretty cool to see. It's a good reminder for us, too. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, I think one last detail that I wanted to kind of bring up, let's be real, who was sovereign over all of this suffering? Was it Satan or was it God? Because there's nothing that was inflicted upon Job that was not first permitted by God. And so I've, I've heard so many times when people try to rectify, well, why is this happening? Why is God doing this to me? And people will come to their comfort and try to say, well, this is not from God. This is from the devil. And what they don't realize is that they're then suggesting that there is this battle for authority between God and the devil. As if though God somehow cannot control what the devil is doing. And the simple fact of the matter is God is in complete control. Yes, God is absolutely in control of the fact that that your child died prematurely. God is absolutely in control of the fact that uh, your mom has had cancer for most of your life or um, or that all of these things have come upon you or that your world is absolutely crashing in. God is absolutely sovereign over that. And this is not a book that attempts to give you answers as to why. It's a book that is showing you that you need to reach a new mindset. And it's like what you know Carson said, it is not an easy place to get to. Um, but you know we have to come to a place of acceptance that God is in control. God is moving. God is working. And it's not for us to know the fine details of how or why, but simply for us to trust in him and to trust in the gospel that he provided and knowing that, you know, even even though all these things are happening, even though um, I'm experiencing the product of, of corruption and sin, right, in my life right now, God has still provided to me a Savior that once I die and leave this world, I can be in full relationship with Him in, in His complete, unadulterated presence. Um, and if there's anything to trust in, I think it's that. That's good. That's good. But um, enough about the book of Job, because I know we have four other places of Scripture that I'm really excited to hear about where, where you guys were at. So uh, who wants to go next? Move on down the line. Blake looks okay. like he's ready to go. Yeah, for sure. He's always um, ready to go. I'm always ready to go. To sometimes. Go. Sometimes words are hard, and I don't remember words. Words are always hard. Oh, yeah. So Philippians 4? Yeah, Philippians, Philippians 4. 4. Uh, so I when, when I addressed this question, Philippians 4 did come to my mind because um, – I think during a time of, of season of hurt that we really go through a lot of anxiety um, and, you know, worry and doubt and all these different things. But uh, I'll read Philippians 4 first and then kind of dive into it. Uh, but I looked at verses 4 through 7, um, and it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Um, this is a verse that I love. Uh, I read this verse when we did that whole like 
TikTok thing if yep. you haven't seen it yet. Um, but it's just a good verse for me just to kind of remind myself during college, you know, just not be anxious about anything. But also, I go through a lot of seasons of hurt too, and we all do. Um, it may be something that we experience like right this sec- second that we're going through, like, or tomorrow or someday, you know. But the thing about a season of hurt is that it will cease. And, like, it's not going to be a continuous thing. Like, it will cease one day. Um, so, uh, the the question, though, that, like like you said, like, there's more questions that come out of this own question. Um, but my question was, like, what are you filling yourself up with during a season of hurt? So, are you filling yourself up with doubt and worry? Or are you going to fill yourself up with, you know, the Word of God and God's people? So, like... You know, that is maybe, a good point. You know, like I don't know, it because I think the, the thing we go to is doubt, um, because we want to uh, search our doubt and search our hurt and different things like this and fill that up with with our like fill that up um, instead of filling ourselves up with the word because the word will show us so much and we must we may be missing out on the answer that God is trying to give us in a scriptural meaning. Um, we're not looking at it. So you can't just think you're going to know it when you don't have the resource of it. So I think that, I mean, I think that's the problem right there. When you look at, especially our age group is what people are turning to when things don't go your way. What are you turning to? Um, are you turning to the, to the Lord? What are you turning to? That's, I love that question. It's really yeah. good. And I wanted to point out something here. I wanted to point out verse seven that you read over um, in the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Just right there. And I think that that's so, I mean, it was just comforting to me when I just read that. Um, just the part we talked about, you may not understand, and it's okay not to understand, but the peace of God surpasses all understanding. That's just very comforting to me. I want to point that out again. That was good. Yeah. Yeah, because I think um, I have met people who who are dealing with a lot of grief in their life, but um, or people who have just generally had a hard life. And you ask them, well, how is it that you're, you know, you're like this, you're, you seem to be fine. You're making it. Um, and you know, the most genuine, sincere answer they can give you is I just, I'm at peace with it. I've accepted it and the Lord has given me peace. Um, you know, not that they reached some grand logical conclusion, but, um, it's just like you said, um, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. And another really important detail, uh, will guard your hearts in Christ Jesus. Um, and I think it's so important, again, what is what is the, the one security that we have as Christians um, that can guard us from all of the things of this temporary world that's going to perish? It's the fact of knowing that we are in Christ, that we have relation with God through Christ, um, and that that, above all things, is what we strive for and what we look forward to. All right. Uh, so we've now heard from uh, the book of Job. We've looked at Philippians 4 very briefly. So now, uh, Brittany, how did uh, what, what did you read coming into this? So I started in 1 Samuel chapter 1, but first I want to touch on James chapter 1 because during seasons of hurt and trial or just preparation, just whatever you're going through, it's important to realize that or or there's it's just important to see that spiritual maturity plays a big role in it and 
James 1, 2 says, Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. And it goes in in verse 3 to 4, because now, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete and lacking nothing. So it's just allowing these trials and tribulations that you go through to produce spiritual maturity within you and accepting the peace of God over you is just so important because that's what's going to get you through it is your faith. And so I just want to touch on that just a little bit. And then, so I read first Samuel chapter one. Words are hard. Yes. (laughs) Really hard. hard. First (laughs) Samuel. All right, go on. And in chapter one, we learn about Hannah, which is Samuel's mom. And she has had gone years without being able to conceive a child. And um, it just how she goes about her prayer life is just she continuously pours out her heart before the Lord in her hurt and in her resentment, even and the pain that she's going through. And it just makes me think about in our times of hurt and pain, like our first resort resort should be prayer and it should be bringing everything to the Lord. It should be falling down and worshiping like Job did and um, just bringing everything at his feet and laying it in front of him. And just when you're praying in a season of hurt, be bold. Like you were saying, be honest with God. It's okay to ask why. Like the season that I'm going through, literally I asked God and I, out loud, I was like, God, why? Like I prayed about this. You gave me peace to pursue it. And I did. Two years later, it was gone. It ended. So I was like, why? And he revealed to me in First Samuel chapter 1 um, the idea of, okay, you prayed about it, but did you bring it back to me? Like, did you um, give me glory and the answered prayer? And it just, just makes you think. And the question that comes from my original question would be, what do I need to give up to gain more of God? Or am I willing to sacrifice blank to walk in obedience with the Lord. And um, so in First Samuel, it goes on in verse 27, 28, and he, Hannah's prayer is actually answered. And in return, she dedicates Samuel to the Lord to be his servant. And it's just, it sparks another question. How often do we pray for something like a relationship and we receive it, but we don't use it to bring the glory back to God? And we put our struggles and our hurt in God's hands to hopefully be delivered from them. But do we use those answered prayers or blessings as a form of worship? Because what's the point of praying about something if you're just going to reject God after he blessed you with it? Mm. And um, chapter one just really spoke to me that in everything that we do, whether we have it or not yet, use it for the glory of God. And like Hannah, we just need to use our answered prayers to honor and glorify him. And then just some other notes that I've just been thinking about would be through our ignorance comes trials that should produce endurance in our faith and humble our hearts, causing us to realize we are not the Lord or ruler of our own life. Only God is. He's the one above it all. He's the one who has the ultimate purpose for our life. And we just need to humble ourselves before him, walking in obedience, pouring out our hearts in prayer and just relying on him to be our strength and it's so easy to lose sight of what god has already done and his promises for the future when we're stuck focusing on this hurt or the season of difficulty that we're currently in 
I would say mic drop, but we paid like a lot of money for them. But that was <laughs> I was thinking the same. That was thing. straight fire. Side note: We stuff. do have our own mics now. Yeah, two out of the four. Yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. We're we're uh, we're building our our empire now. <laughs> Watch out! But um, but I think there were a lot of a lot of good points brought out of that. Um, which, by the way, uh, Brittany said she was like super nervous before <laughs> kind of dropping that, and I was like, dude, why are you nervous? That was awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm gonna just leave her. Lord, yeah, yeah, abs- no, absolutely. Um, she can take my spot. Let's revisit. She's already taking Parker's spot right now. So yeah, Parker. Yeah. If you're listening to this, this is what you get. Yeah, absolutely. We love you, Parker. But um, at any rate, uh, let's revisit some of the points that were made. Um, how often do we pray for things, and yet when we receive them, we completely forget to to use to to focus our attention on God in in getting that. I, I mean I, I'm I'm reminded of the story of Joseph when he's in in prison next to these uh you know with these two guys and both of them are granted uh you know restoration to their former position and um years go by and they've totally forgotten about Joseph. Completely forgotten. Until with the one day where it happens to benefit one of them to remember him, right? Um, it's almost like, are we only running to God to get something out of it? Mm-hmm. You know, do mm-hmm. we have a true relationship with him? Are our hearts truly humbled and walking in obedience with him? And I think you can also ask, um, how, what is the true nature of the things that we pray for, of the prayers that we pray? The motive behind it. Exactly. And because um, how often do we pray and pray and pray for things and God grants it to us, like you said, like a relationship. And I know, so, I'll, you know, quick sidebar, the majority of our audience statistically is 18 to 22 and 23 to 27 year olds. So like our age group. Um, is for the most part who we're talking to and for the most part people in that age group is um you know we're kind of in that uh that question seems very relevant you know to do with relationships and so i think i really like that you kind of brought that up how often do we pray for relationships and then when we get them we completely focus in on the person we completely focus in on um material things around us we totally forget uh, the as the spiritual aspect of that relationship. I was going to say real quick that with something with prayer too, you know, it's not a me action or, you know, if I'm going to pray this, I better get it kind of action, but it's a, it's a supplication. So we're, you know, asking God, are we going to get the answer that we won't No, but it's an answer that's going to surpass like all understanding as, as it says in Philippians four, um, you know, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. But, you know, it may not be, I think that's something that, you know, even through the season of hurt that we struggle with that, well, I asked God about this, but he didn't give it to me. Well, yeah, but, you know, the answer that he's going to give you is going to be something that's going to fulfill your life and fulfill that, that season of, of hurt and trouble. Um, so, yeah, I think one of the best things we can go to during a season of hurt is, you know, prayer. Um, Nothing. Oh, I'm sorry. You were going to. No, you got. Go ahead, Andy. That's what I was going to say. I always cut you off. 
You do, but it's okay. Blake was so sad. He said, just go, in. Just go. No, yeah. what, what were you going to say? I don't know. I forgot now. Okay, so. cut the train. <laughs> you cut the, the train of thought. Uh, now I feel bad. So. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, well, now I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, wait. Okay, no, I did. I remember now. I remember now. Um, I do I do like that point that you brought up, you know, prayer. Uh, going back to the, what is the motive of your prayer? What is the nature of your prayer? Prayer... I think in its essence is our submission to God. Um, you know, it is not a, I, th- I think, you know, supplication is a big fancy word for making our requests known to God. Um, and absolutely we need to make our requests known before God. Um, if it is healing, physical or spiritual healing, if it is, um, you know, that God would save this person, save that person, that God would grant um, opportunities and this, that, and the other, I think it's just totally okay to make our request known to God. It is encouraged. But at the end of the day, our attitude needs to be brought back to, you know, not my will, but yours. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's not the genuine and sincere attitude that we have, then, you know, again, we got to ask yourself, why am I praying this prayer? You know, and what what is going to happen? How am I going to use it and respond to it if it does get granted? How am I going to respond to it if it doesn't get granted? Um, and so... Excellent point, I think, that you brought up. Um, I forgot your I know your name. <laughs> I know your name. Uh-oh. I know your name. Andy. Oh, I know wow. her name. It's uh, Brittany. Brittany, I know your name. Yes. I do that so often, I'll forget people's names. Dang. No, I'll, like... What's my name? Uh, Brandon? <laughs> Be real. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, my, mom, my mom would do that to me. She would look at me, like, dead in the eye. And she would go through every person in our family, even the dogs. And then she'd get to me and be like, well, I love you too, mom. <laughs> so uh, I apologize, Brittany. It's okay. Great point that you brought up, Brittany. Yes. Yes. Okay. But I also want to point out one more thing is that Hannah's habit of consistent prayer was more about God's greatness rather than her goodness and her faithfulness. Like it always points back to how good he is and his goodness. Amen. It's good. It's good. This was convicting for me because just full transparency, like uh, I have this journal. It's like a big, it's a big journal, five-year journal, right? So you're supposed to be able to look back like year after year after year and see what your prayer requests were. And so I was, I was looking back at these and I was like, I've, I've missed a few days here and there. And I was like, what, what is causing me? Oh, way to go, Carson. That was my text message. <laughs> Sorry. It was on my laptop when we were using my laptop to record. This is a no phone zone. It was my laptop. Oh, it was your laptop? Yeah, it comes through. There this is no laptop. No, I'm kidding. Well, we're we need on it. the laptop. We need it. <laughs> what was I talking about? Okay. Anyway. You were five-year journal. Yes. So I was I was looking at it, and I was like, what is causing me to miss like my days? And I was like, I noticed there's a pattern of when I had a very heavy topical request, I'd write them down. But when those kind of got filled or they weren't as heavy in my heart, I'd, I'd miss, you know? And you kind of see that season of how easy it is when you don't have requests as heavy or maybe they got answered or they're just not on the forefront of your mind all day. How easy it is just kind of, okay, they're there. They're not they're not as present. They're not, I'm not going to spend as much time praying about them as I normally would. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that was good. That was a good point that I think a lot of us find ourselves in. Yeah, I think um, this is kind of... This is kind of a funny story, but then kind of not. I don't know. Is it Andy funny or is it actually funny? It's Andy funny. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. When So when I was just getting started with the youth ministry at our church, 
um, I I had been to one Wednesday night. I barely knew the students. I'd been to one Wednesday night, and that very next Saturday, uh, we were going to the Strength to Stand conference that happens each year in uh, Gatlinburg. And I was uh, I was praying. I knew that you know one semester may not be a whole lot of time to get to connect with the students and form relationships. And so, you know, I pray to God, I, you know, I ask, you know, use, please use this, um, this trip as a means of, uh, for lack of a better term, um, as a catalyst for our relationship, you know, to kind of in a way speed things along or give us, give us a reason in a way to be more quickly joined together and bonded. And so y'all know the concept of how people bond more in times of ad- adversity, right? Like if you go through it with somebody else, then somehow you get closer together, right? That's like basic psychology. And uh, the Lord answered our prayer or my prayer, but it wasn't in the way that I thought he would. Um, so when we were driving in Chattanooga, a 150-pound truck tire comes off of this truck and strikes one of our vans. And so when I say adversity, um, you know, it can be, it can be, oh, we got delayed at the airport or, oh, this, that, the other. No, we got a 150-pound truck tire coming our way. I um, had that happen to me. Really? That, my first car wreck ever Are you was serious? a dump truck tire. That must have been terrifying. It was. I had to swerve or else it would have came through the windshield. Oh. It terrified me. Oh, oh my, my goodness. Oh, I'm glad you lived. Me too. I'm glad you swerved. Me too. Um, and, but no, like we had to, uh, we had to stay the night in Chattanooga. Um, like the, the kids were like, they were, they were doing some dumb thing, like moments before the truck tire hit. Uh, I think one of them was like trying to rap and then like, bang, truck tire. But, um, it, I mean, through it, the Lord answered my prayer and I was able to have a reason to bond with these kids, um, and these students. And it was, it was really awesome. Um, sorry to, you know, the ones who may have had their bell rung by the, that truck tire, like every airbag went off in that thing. It was, oh, the bags went off. Yes. It was all, dude, it was bad. It was really Ooh, bad. We had to get a new, it we had to get a tough. new van. Like we thought, we thought someone was going to go to the hospital, kind of mm. bad, but we were, everyone was okay. Thank, yeah. thank the Lord. Um, but it's more serious than I thought. Dang. But it, it, it all, yeah, it all comes really? back. Cause everyone all, always talked about it. Like as a, I remember Pastor Kevin got up in church and he was like, "We got a tire hit the." Oh, it's, it scared. It the, like everyone laughed, and then I was like, "Dang!" It scared the daylights out of us. By the Jeez. time it was over, we we're like, "Okay, we can laugh. Everyone's okay." But mm-hmm. it scared the daylights out of oh, us. Oh yeah. Um and. Uh, all, I say all that to say, uh, we when we pray for things, right? We need to be ready for whatever answer God is going to provide, yeah. um, because at the end of the day, the answer that He provides to us is not going to be the one that we believe we deserve. It's not going to be the one that we believe uh, or we most expect, but it's going to be the one that, um, in the mind of God, in from the perspective of God, going back to that original question is the most beneficial and edifying to us as a child of God. Yeah. It's good. good. Carson, you want to hear on some things that you yeah. read about? Is it my turn? I'm sorry. It is. It's your turn. turn. Hit okay. it. I've, I've been so patient. <laughs> you have been. <laughs> um, so 
I kind of, if you listen to the podcast me and Blake did a few weeks ago on discipleship, then you've kind of already heard all this. But I wanted to hit again in Ecclesiastes. Um, the real, I want to share kind of, I want this to be more of like a comforting thing, but also more of like an understanding point. And I want to start in Ecclesiastes. Um, we'll start Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And I want to start with this first, the first verse in chapter 3. It says, There is an occasion for everything and a time for every activity. And when you think about this question, the, the two words that really come to my mind are God's providence. And God's providence and His sovereignty isn't something that we always understand. So I want this verse, there's a time and occasion for everything and a time for every activity. And then I also want to read uh, chapter 3, verse 11. And it says, my translation says, He has made everything appropriate in its time. Other translations I like a little bit better. It says he has made everything beautiful in its time. Yeah, that's what mine says. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is one of my most favorite verses in the Bible. It is so comforting to me because even though the season that I'm in may be hard, may be tough, I may be struggling, in its time, it's, it's appropriate. It is beautiful in its time. There's a time and a place for every activity. And I mean, when you, let's be real, like we can apply that to our personal seasons of hurt. And for some of us, it, it might be more casual than others, but you got to think everything has been made beautiful in its time. You know, we got to remember that there are some pretty heinous things that have gone on through the history of mankind. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, the Holocaust, right? That's, that was awful. And that's one of many instances, but everything has been made beautiful and appropriate in its time. And it's hard to rectify that, mm-hmm. but um, it's 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 our task to yeah. to pursue God through that. But um, this, I like where you're going with it. Yeah. yeah. For me, um, if we go back to the relationship side of it, this was a verse I've, I've clung to at the beginning of this year because I went through this this relationship, and it was. I mean, I've had you know uh, things in the past, but this was a relationship that I mean I pursued spiritually, you know, and. It's hard when you when things don't go your way when you're like, man, I went about it the right way. You know, I didn't go about this in a bad way. I went about this the right way. You know, this was something I prayed over. Um, we prayed together about. I mean, this is why is it happening if I go about it the right way? And I think that's a mindset a lot of Christians find themselves in is if, oh, if I go about this in a godly way, in a spiritual way, it'll all work out. And that's not always the case. And I think the quicker we come to an understanding with that, it'll change our perspective on how we do things. Absolutely. I, I like I like that statement because I think it's also reflected in Job. Mm-hmm. When Job says, you know, God is given and God is taken away, you know, praise be to God. Yep. That's good. Um, I wanted to hit on something just because you were talking about comfort um, when you were starting your thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's something that I went to as well, just in a season of hurt, like, you know, what is, you know, God's perspective and all that. Um, but you know, we know that God is all knowing he's all powerful. He's, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It, the word all, you know, keeps going with God. Like he's all something. Um, but he also, he's all comfort. Um, and there's a verse in second Corinthians, uh, one verses three through four. Um, and it says, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Um, and it was just a good reminder that, you know, we have this all comfort God that's going to give comfort to us 
during our seasons, but also, you know, when somebody else is going through something or a season of, of hurt or trouble or something like that, you know, that comfort that God gives us, we should give others too. Um, and, you know, that may be a, a simple thing that you're like, oh, we know we're supposed to do that. But when you come to that situation that somebody's going through something, are you actually going to do it? Are you actually going to take that action? Or are you going to, you know, let them try to figure it out on their own? Um, I have, I don't know why people, I mean, I'm grateful for it, but a lot of people come to me for some reason, like when they go with their breakups and like that. You're just so and, wise. Oh, no, it's not, no, I'm not. Uh, well, but anyways, but like people usually come to me and I'm just like, I mean, I love that you're coming to me, but you know, also go to him as well. But something taught me last night because I hit this verse um, in in Second Corinthians, and somebody was going through a breakup that you know lasted for a long time, um, and you know they're just like, I don't know what to do type thing. And uh, you know that's when I realized that if God's giving me this comfort, you know, why not bring that comfort to somebody else as well? Um, but yeah, you know, comfort is good and comfort is needed. Uh, but so is God. So yeah, need. I think that's a really good point. I think on that point, you can add, um, you know, comfort is good, uh, but it just depends on where we seek that comfort. Yeah. I was and about I, to say it and, just yeah. depends on who do you turn to. Do you turn to the world for comfort? Yeah. After a breakup or a season of hurt, because I've been there. Mm-hmm. A previous, previous, turn to the world devastating you know i lost myself and i didn't know who i was but this time i am turning fully to god for comfort and i've seen the biggest shift already so much peace that i don't understand that comes from him and it's just changed my perspective on my faith and spiritually maturing and i've can say that I'm finally walking in obedience and like now I'm really knowing what it's like to be a believer and not just a quote unquote Christian putting on a face. It's a good feeling, isn't it? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I think kind of on that point, you know, turning to the world, we use that term, I think, and a lot of times we imply, um, the immorality of the world. And yes, that can be a thing, you know, turning to alcohol, turning to, um, you know, to lust, turning to this, that, and the other. But it can also be um, turning to the world's way of thinking. You know, it doesn't just have to be those things. It can be, um, I mean, the example that I'm brought back to is I remember hearing relationship advice, overhearing it in a Waffle House. It was like my freshman year. And I was in Waffle House. It was like one in the morning. And um, there are these sorority girls who are, uh, you know, they're all, one of them's going through a breakup and these other three are trying to comfort her, giving her advice. And I can't, I can't remember what they were saying, but what I can tell you, it was the worst advice I had ever <laughs> heard in my life. If you were listening to this and you were like, yeah, I was about, you know, four years ago, I was in a Waffle House. Like I might be talking about you. Um, no hate, no hate, but. Uh, no names addressed. Yeah. No names addressed. I don't even know what their names were. But it was just really bad advice, and um, and it brings me to think like, you know, we we have to be so conscious as Christians to um, to really question, you know, like this this way of thinking, this line of thought, 
is it really from scripture or is it actually from the culture's per, you know perception of scripture or the culture's interpretation of scripture mm-hmm. um in you know just like the motivation behind the question of why do bad things happen to good people that is a question that is born from um from a mindset that is worldly it is not of scripture because obviously the scripture does not answer it because it's not a question that deserves an answer rather there's a different question that we ought to ask and that question stems from a biblical mindset romans 12 2 do not be conformed to the ways of this world or age but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is uh, good acceptable and perfect what is the will of god it's good anybody final thoughts comments i like your shirt thank you that's my thought this is a dnow shirt yeah from I don't remember what they do now, but it's <laughs> did they not put the year on it? Oh yeah, we. I guess we don't do that. We should, probably should. No, that'd be cool. That would be cool. But all right. I guess one more thought would be just whatever you're thinking, you know, whatever you're going through, back it up with scripture. Hmm. You know, God is not Amen. a god of confusion. Good final thought. Like you will not be confused if something comes your way and it's from God. So just. Go to him in prayer, like sincere prayer, and just ask him to guide you, and he will, but you can't just rely on prayer. Like You have to spend time in the Word and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal things to you. So that was my final thoughts. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Brittany, thank you for coming on. Well, thank you all Um, for having me. We appreciate it. Some great input. Um, I know a lot of people are going to relate to this and be able to learn a lot from this. Um, If you want to... Get into her stuff, her Everyday Grace, her podcast and blog. That'll be in the description as well. Um, it's just, I'll put it in the show notes. Kind of if you scroll down from the yeah, episode, we'll, it'll be in there. We'll make a, probably make a post yeah. um, on Instagram about it. We'll we'll uh, tag her stuff in the post. And um, yeah, as always, we really appreciate you guys listening. If you want to reach out to us um, personally, if you want to contact us, you can reach our email. That's make the time podcast at gmail.com. Uh, all lowercase. And then also, if you don't like emails, um, you can reach out to us on Instagram at make the time podcast. Uh, and as always, if you don't have the time, make the time.